Hi, I am Tina Robinson, Supervising Child Support Specialist assigned to the Communications and Community Outreach Team. I am here today with members of the Special Enforcement Unit assigned to the Mistaken Identity Team here at Child Support Services Department. So why don't each of you introduce yourselves today? Yes, my name is Marcos Villa and I'm the Supervisor of the Mistaken Identity Team and I've been with Special Enforcement Unit since 2015. Hi, my name is Maritza Macias. I've been here at Child Support for 25 years, working for the Mistaken Identity team for the past 10 and a half years. Hi, my name is Sandy Landeros. I have been with Child Support Services Department since 2019, and I have been with the Mistaken Identity Unit since 2020. Okay, thank you. Um, today we're just going to have a casual conversation to get more information about the team, just to see what you guys are doing, mm -hmm. um, to give the department more information on the mistaken identity team. So my first question to you guys are, how are the cases referred to you? Uh, the cases are referred to us uh, mostly through the call center. Um, some are in person when they come into one of the divisions, okay. uh, and then some in writing and some by filing an answer. Okay, well, that seems very um, challenging. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of avenues, but uh, everybody does a pretty good job of keeping everything in, in order. So that's always nice. It's a well oiled yeah. machine over there. Oh, yes. <laughs> and a majority of our referrals come through our call center. Okay. Mm -hmm. So when our call center sends us a referral for a mistaken identity claim, they usually do it in the form of an email to us, and then they'll collect some information about the person who's actually making the claim. And once we get that information, our M MID process begins. Okay, so once your team receives this referral, how long does it usually take to resolve? It takes about 30 days to resolve the case. Sometimes it can take less time. Um, it depends on how um, much information the custodial parent provided regarding the non-custodial parent. So that really helps us a lot with our investigations. Okay, so typically do you receive requests, MID requests from PRSs or PPSs? Uh, most of the time they are from PPS, which is the person paying support. Right. Um, uh, rare cases is the person receiving support. That's probably like 1% of the cases that we receive uh, claims through. Do you guys think um, our department is doing a great job with sending you guys over the request or do we need to obtain more information? What do you guys think is needed? Yeah, so in our process, when the email comes as a referral to us on the mistaken identity team, mm -hmm. um, me and Sandy will get that communication from the call center, which is the majority of our referrals, and they're required through our policy, our internal policy, to provide information about the person making the claim. So they do a really good job of getting all the demographic information to us. And if something's missing, we'll reach back to the person making the referral so that we make sure that we get all the information we need because having like an address or a phone number for a person making a mistaken identity claim is very important because we need to send them letters, we have to make phone calls, uh, getting an email is actually another yes, good idea that we get. So that's very helpful. Okay. And it gives us the opportunity to reach them as soon as possible because that's our real goal on the mistaken identity team is we want to make sure we get to that person as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. So that seemed like the key. The more information the more and as soon as possible, yes. the yes. quicker, the better. Yes. Right. Correct. So I, I have a few questions I wanted to ask you guys. If I was a PRS or PPS, mm -hmm. I'm dealing with an MID issue. So my question would be, how did you get my information? So the information comes to us 
um, through um, uh, government websites that we use in order to try to locate the person paying support. And uh, sometimes what will happen is they have a common name, a similar name, um, Sometimes uh, last four numbers of social security number are similar, the same birthday. I mean, there are so many things. There, There's also another scenario that happens more often than not is a father and son situation mm -hmm. where the father and the son have the same name. Um, and so then it gets put into our system, and then that's where the process starts with the right. mistaken identity or the situation starts. So does the system recognize junior and senior or sometimes it's just the name? Sometimes it's just the name. Doesn't matter. Just because yeah. sometimes they don't have junior or the second or third behind their name. It's just the same exact name okay. as the father and that's where it gets a little complicated. For yeah, us. it does. And sometimes even if they have like a different middle name but they have the same first and last name, it'll still come through sometimes as you know, being the person that we're looking for. Right, right. Mm -hmm. So how long would you guys keep this information? Well, the information that we collect yes. on the mistaken identity claim and that we attach to the case, um, let's say once we resolve a mistaken identity claim and we validate the claim, that information gets marked up in our computer system as what we call mistaken identity. Mm -hmm. And that's very important because we want to make sure that the people coming behind us, any caseworker or perhaps another county that comes behind us, understands that that person has been, their claim has been investigated and resolved and validated as a mistaken identity so that that information does not get updated again. Right. And that information that we mark up as mistaken identity on the case doesn't transmit out their information and does not bring in their information. So that's very important pro part of the process right. on the mistaken identity investigation. I, I would think that would be very important because I was thinking if I was a PRS or PPS, um, I would think like, why do you need my personal documentation? But we also, you know what, we also make sure that we write good notes. Okay. So that, because sometimes, you know, if we don't go back and look at the image documents or what have you, we want to make sure that we document everything on our notes right, properly right. so that these people don't get caught up again. Right. Because we do have sometimes cases that get caught up again for whatever reason. And the notes so will help us. Yes, clear notes yes. is really important. Yes. Very important. And <clears throat> circling back to why... Uh, we would need their information. Yes. Uh, we need their information to authenticate who they are and so that we can differentiate them from the person that we're actually looking for. So the more information um, that the person, the claimant uh, provides us, it's going to be helpful. It's going to make the process go faster. I mean, we're here to help them, but help us help you. Right. So we do need, if we're requesting your social security card, your ID and license, those are critical bits of information that we absolutely do need um, in order to make it go faster. I mean, if we don't have that, it's going to hold up the process for the claimant, which is what we don't want. We want to get through this as fast as possible so we can be um, over and done with and resolve the issue for them. Yeah, and yeah. Sandy does a really good job mm -hmm. when she gets, she handles the intake part of our mistaken identity process okay. at explaining to mistaken identity claimants why we need their information. And she, the nature of just MIDs is very contentious. Right. People are angry. People have questions. So Sandy does a really good job at explaining to the public what happened, how these kind of things happen, and why we need their information and why it's very important. We want to authenticate who that individual is 
who's making the mistaken identity claim because it's very important once we mark that case up as a mistaken identity and their information that that information truly belongs to them. Right. I know because I would um, gather that they would be hesitant on providing their social, their driver's license to you, to our agency especially, um, to see it. But it's very important. So you guys stress that. That's very good, Sandy, that you stress that to them in the beginning, that we need this information so that we can exclude you as a a potential parent. So after, what happens when the investigation is over and you deem it closed? When the investigation is over, there's two outcomes. Either they're cleared or not cleared. Okay. And sometimes they're not sometimes they're not cleared because they are the the actual um, father mm-hmm. or mother in the case because right. we do have cases where mothers. Um, but there's other times when we don't have enough information. We can't get a hold of the um, CP to provide us information that we need for the cases. Or sometimes they just don't want to cooperate because they feel that it's not it's not affecting them. So. So what if it's affecting someone else? Right. You know, so at that time we'll send out a notice explaining to them that they weren't we weren't able to clear them. I do personally since I do the investigation part, call them and explain to them when I deny the case whether the outcome was you were the you are the father or we didn't get have enough information and I explain to them what steps to take next. Um, now if they were cleared that's when we send the the good letter right. that goes out to them, telling them that they were cleared. And I still, again, call them and let them know, you know, you were cleared. I'm sorry that you had to go through this. I'm just glad that our department was able to assist you in clearing you as a mistaken identity. And, you know, they're happy. Right. So sometime, um, do we already have an enforcement order and it can be a mistaken identity? Yes. So then what happens with their money if they are cleared? How do they get their money back? So in situations where we do clear a mistaken identity claimant, mm-hmm. um, we take all their information, we scrub the case. That's how we update the information in CSE, our computer system. Okay. And we have to begin to unwind some things that happen if it goes into enforcement. Okay. So if we do happen to obtain an order against an individual that we have validated their claim, now we have to go through the process to unwind the enforcement. For example, we probably might have to go into court and get the order set aside. Okay. If um, enforcement action was taken against them, let's say it was an intercept, money was taken from their federal tax return, mm-hmm. refund money, um, income withholding orders. Those things can happen and do happen. But what we make sure we do and we emphasize at the beginning of the mistaken identity claim is if there's a report of enforcement, we make sure to put a hold on that money so that if there is some enforcement action taking place and the person that calls our call center says, you guys are taking money from my income, you guys took money from my tax refund, we place a hold so that no money goes out the door. So by the time the investigation is over and it's been validated, we have that money on hold. So then we go through a process by which we go through a a process of refund requests and we have to have approval from our financial team here in our department and with the state. And they make sure that we do everything from crossing every T and dotting every I. That has to be done. So we have to be perfect when we're cleaning up a case for mistaken identity. Wow, this seems like a lot. You guys are doing a lot in this unit. Yes. I mean, I'm sure it's just the tip of the iceberg yes. that you guys are doing, but it seems like it's a yes. it's a lot of steps. Yes. But you guys are making sure it's done right. Yes. yes. From the beginning. And Tina, yes. let me explain. We have 
four people that work on our mistaken identity okay. team. Uh -huh. So it's Maritza, Sandy, Diana Carrillo, who's in charge of scrubbing. Okay. And Alex Taranza, he's also an investigator mm -hmm. on our team. So I call them the mighty four because <laughs> they and four, they're handling all, all the referrals it. for MID and it's so meticulous. You have to be very detail oriented. And again, you're dealing with the nature of MID claims. People right, are angry, right. they're frustrated. Um, these are the type of things that we have to go through on a daily basis right. when they're dealing with mistaken identity claims. Right. So I give it all to them. They do great work. Yeah. We work well as a team. Great. They help each other out. I think that part of what they do, helping each other, being a cohesive unit, right. really makes us successful. Yeah. So are they the only four that have access to all this information? No. Um, it, basically, everybody that is a caseworker in CSSD has access to information, but what's important is that confidentiality. Right. Because when a mistaken identity claimant asks, where is my information exactly. going? What are you doing with my information? We have to stress to them that records are confidential, yeah. that employees that work within our department right. have security clearances so that we could assure them that their information is protected. Right, definitely. Definitely. I really appreciate you guys being here today, but my last question is, what would you like the CSSs in our department to know when they're regarding referring a case to us? Do, do they need to put more information? Just be real clear and concise in their notes. What do you guys want the department to know? Uh, the most important thing is um, you're the person that is actually speaking to them up front. So the more information you could gather from them, right. it's mm -hmm. better for us. Because sometimes we can't, even though we call them back, we can't get a hold of them. But sometimes information that that we have from them is helpful for us to get started uh, with looking at the claim. Uh, so it's very important. One of the most important things, like Marco said, is uh, and Maritza said, is uh, your notes is um, putting in the full information according to Chris, which is typing in the name, the address, the phone number, and an email is priceless okay. for us. And now in this day and age, Chris doesn't mention it, but that's something that's very important uh, and if they come into the office um, in person is to fill out that uh, mistaken identity checklist okay. fully answer all the questions and if they provide you copies of their documents to please 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 make the copies uh, or the scanning in color because the black and white um, sometimes is not helpful because it really blocks out the person's picture which is something that we really need and sometimes we have to circle back to the um, claimant and have them either come back or have them send us a color copy because we can't see it and we can't if we can't see it we can't use it for purposes of investigation so right. those are simple things but they're very meaningful <laughs> really clear Nick Marcos would you like yeah. to have any closing remarks yes I just want to reiterate that how important it is up front to get, gather as much information yes. from the claimant as possible because in the end run, that's what helps us investigate the mistaken identity claim. Right. And anytime we have people making mistaken identity claims, getting their cooperation yes. and explaining to them up front how it's important for them to cooperate helps them yes. in the long run. Yes, definitely. Right. Definitely. Yeah. Well, like Sandy said and Marco said, the more information we can get from the, the better. person, the better, especially the correct name and a phone number. <laughs> Email, we can also get it if, you know, they don't give right. it to us. But a callback number, an address, yes. I can, you know, I can 
stress enough on that because that's the way that we handle our cases. Very good. Yes. yes. I mean, oftentimes if we can't get a hold of, of the claimant by phone or sometimes it's a wrong number or right. sometimes they provide a wrong number, whatever the case is, we're going to mail out a notice to them. But if we don't have an address, then we have a wrong phone number or a phone number that's not working. Now we can't even send them a notice. So right. now we're waiting for them to call us back to say, hey, what happened? You know, why didn't you guys, you know, I haven't heard back from you guys. Uh, and sometimes there's a little bit of a, of a miscommunication where yes. the claimant might think like, well, I already called and reported it and it's taken care of and it's not. But And then by us not reaching them by phone and not sending them a notice, they're thinking, okay, everything's done, I'm good to go, and they're not. Right. Um, and then one more thing that I wanted to bring up about the claimants is um, it's important that the claimant provide us copies of the documents that we request. It's not only the ID and the and the social security card, but also documents of their uh, paycheck stubs if they're being garnished, their um, uh, tax intercept notices, a bank levy uh, notice. Those things are absolutely um, necessary in order for us to file a claim so that they can start looking into getting a refund. And without that information, we cannot process a refund. Yes. So it's critical. Yeah, timeliness is also important because sometimes we have claimants that make claims about right. something that happened a year ago. Oh. Mm -hmm. So that makes it very complicated and difficult when it comes to like refunding when the money's gone, it's out the door. So yeah. Timeliness is also timeliness plays a very important part. part. Well I just want to say I appreciate Marcos, Maritza, and Sandy for stepping in this in discussion about mistaken identity. We appreciate you. We have learned so much today about this mighty four, <laughs> about this unit, about what we need to do to um, make going forward to make sure we have an email address, get clear information, write clear notes, take color pictures, um, get yes. all this information. So again, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank Thanks you for Tina. having us. You're welcome. Thank you for having us, Tina.